place where we talk to people from the world of audio about their ideas, opinions, and methods. Hi, I'm Mark Young. For today's episode, I spoke with the English singer Martina Topley Bird, who started out her career with UK trip hop pioneer Tricky in the mid 90s. In the podcast, we discuss how her approach to collaboration and songwriting has evolved over the years, her studio tips for vocalists, and her brand new album, Forever I Wait. Martina Topley Bird is next. Hi, Martina. Thanks so much for speaking with me today. You're calling in from Valencia, Spain. Is that right? Oh, a pleasure. And no, actually, I'm in Alicante. I was in Valencia, but I've recently ah. relocated to the sort of coastal countryside, bit south, like a like an hour and a half south of there. But still on the coast. Still on the coast, yeah. How long were you in Valencia before you moved to Alicante now? Um, I was sort of in between the two, actually, because I, I, love, I love Valencia as a city. However, I was craving being in nature a bit more and, and sort of, yeah, I don't know, working out, you know, decompressing from city hustle and bustle, even though, you know, it's like a, it's like a million person city. It's, you know, big, it's like perfect size. But um, so I've been, been between the two for a while, but just kind of relocated here full time. I don't know, really recently, like last month. Did Valencia have its traditional Las Fallas bonfires this year? Crazy. Yeah. Funnily happen? enough, it happened just a couple of weeks ago. They happened yeah. just before we have a There's one family birthday we had that culminates on uh, the normal fires. I always really want to see it. However, it is a bit kind of it's quite hard for your nerves because there's explosions going off all the time. You know, Valencia has like... Yeah the biggest burns yeah. unit in the whole of Spain because <laughs> the health and safety, this would not fly in America anywhere at all, you know? No. And I, <laughs> I know you were also, you spent time in, in Baltimore, I believe it was. Yes. Uh, and I wanted to get into how being in Spain and also in the, in the States maybe influenced your new album a bit, but for people who aren't familiar with Las Fallas, they build these amazing, beautiful sculptures um, yeah. and then burn them down. So you have these giant bon bonfires yeah. all over the city, right? Yeah. Which yeah. is spectacular, but also terrifying, I guess, <laughs> especially if you're a dog. But Yeah. I think um, the animals don't like it at all. So we were like, you know, with the, definitely was something we experienced with the dog just once. And yeah, um, yeah. yeah he was not, he, he left him in the countryside for this time when we went. I definitely want to get into how maybe Spain has influenced a new album a bit, I, but, but I guess Take it back a bit. For a lot of people, you'll always be the voice of the Bristol music scene. And, you know, in particular, your groundbreaking work with Tricky hasn't really lost any of its impact at all over the years. But it kind of feels spiritually, if maybe not creatively, Valencia or Spain or I guess Alicante, it feels a million miles away from Bristol. How does that feel for you? Yeah, I think so. I feel like what I was searching for was somewhere to. I don't know, somewhere I felt I could live, you know, long term and that we had, a, you know, a long list of criteria for the place where we, would, we thought would work for us as a family mm. and stuff. And um, I mean, I've lived enough, you know, and I've had, I've, I've had my childhood and my adolescence and my young adulthood and I've, um, and, and I found that um, the same with moving to Baltimore, being in a, being outside of my homeland and hometown then, it made me much more keenly aware of my uh, identity as a person raised mm. in England. 
and mm. um, and it's the same here. I just don't have the same. Uh, for working on a project, and lots of people do that, they get away from home and go somewhere else so they can really focus without distractions on what they're doing. Right. So relocating to Spain, um, yeah, I mean, it took up, it, you know, had various different periods of delays involved with making my record and and relocating sort of every six months at some point took up a lot of time, you know, to get settled and, and reconnect mm. with what you know, I'm doing. But apart from, apart from the time it takes to get settled, then being in a different place, like I say, it helps you to kind of connect with yourself because you're not distracted by, like for me living in London, I'd be distracted maybe by like what people think of. I, I feel a lot more observed in London. I feel a lot more invisible mm. and anonymous mm. in Spain. Um, so yeah, just, it made it a lot easier to not get distracted and really, you know, also the pandemic worked out really well for me in that regard <laughs> too. Well, so. I, yeah, I definitely want to get into that as well. I mean, um, I, I was reading up for this interview and, and, mm -hmm. and I was reading how at, at the beginning of your career, a lot of, uh, a lot of the time you improvised a lot of the vocals and that would end it up on some of those first records you made, um, yeah. with Tricky as well. And is that still true? Are you still sort of a first take sort of artist or is it more like 30 the takes is, or a hundred takes or, <laughs> or what is, how many does it take these days? The thing is, if you, you, I just thought because you were talking about focus there at the moment, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. I have one track on yeah. the record where I intentionally set everything up so it would be a first take and it would be like the first, mm. it was actually the first time I heard the track that I was singing to. So I okay. had the lyric before. So I think with things in the past, I've had the lyric and learned the lyric and I knew the, and I heard the, I knew, or I knew the backing track and I would, you know, be given a set of lyrics and I just go and improvise it. Or, um, yeah, I'd have to like write them all out. And so with this what's one, I had, what's the name of that track? Oh, Sand. What's, what's the name? Sand is okay. the one where I had the lyric. And uh, I'd chosen this lyric that I really, really, I felt like it was very powerfully moving for me. And, and uh, Christopher Berg had said to me, he had this track that he thought was really, really great and was excited about. So I just decided that that was going to be the one that I will, you know, try and just be fully present for. And, and so, I, yeah, it's 90, I'd say, I don't know, 80% of it is first take. There's a couple okay. of drop-ins, so just sand. But you know, the thing is, I find that people get are less and less impressed by my <laughs> by this <laughs> aptitude of mine to <laughs> to do my one day because they expect you. They expect it from <laughs> exactly. you. Exactly. Like, That's the uh, problem yeah. with trying to impress people when you're seventeen. You know. <laughs> exactly. They don't. You don't get any credit for it anymore. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No. Speaking of, I, I'm jumping around a little bit on my on my questions That's here, okay. but let's stick with Christopher Berg. I know he's he's this huge analog synth nerd, and he's got this amazing studio, with lots of different gadgets. And uh, how did you did you get to go there, or is it all a remote collaboration with him? It was all remote. Yeah. When mm -hmm. I first started talking to him, I was in still living in Baltimore, and then I moved to London, and worked on Wyman Park or Wyman on the record and 
Sand have both recorded in the sixth month period that I was living in London in 2017. Hmm. Um, so we did have a, it did talk about me going to Stockholm, but no, I ended up doing it all, all remotely. So I've not seen any of his, any of his uh, studio gadgets in the flesh. He's got an amazing collection of, of stuff. But speaking of, of Wyman, that kind of juxtaposes this really buzzy saw synth uh, uh, with a very scratchy acoustic guitar. And it's that kind of beautiful mix of artificial and organic sounds that kind of swirl through the whole album. And I was wondering, one, how do you go about composing that? And two, how do you go about fitting that together? Is that something that that he's doing there or how how are you deciding at first to take those two very different like i said a synth and a acoustic guitar bringing those together well i'm uh, thrilled that you picked up on that uh yeah it was wyman was the first track that i was attracted to for that reason and that was a backing track mm. that um there was an idea that that chris had sent me and it was this buzzy um, synth and this yeah. acoustic guitar. So, and I loved it for that reason. And yeah, and I think from then on, it was just trying to make it work because I was aware that, you know, sometimes it's getting the balance between something that is um, percussive and has got its kind of friction and abrasiveness, but isn't like super annoying. And so, yeah, it was a kind of, it was a bit <laughs> of a mix, a mixed challenge um, to get that to fit. But uh, I, yeah just as an aesthetic I love that and it's really satisfying to hear you like you know pick that up because I I'm aware that not everybody gets that <laughs> and I feel a little alone oh, in the world I no, feel alone I mean, in I, the world sometimes when <laughs> when I'm like that is it for me no I immediately picked up on that and I guess I can totally see what you're saying that it's not easy to meld those two elements to the point where they work like they did on that track i can totally see that it's not something you can just throw in together but yeah because also i mean if you imagine um you know something i think that was a track that chris had had knocking around for a minute and so when it came mm. time for me to work on it you know it was unclear about whether he was going to work on it with me in the beginning and then we started discussing it and then in the end i ended up mixing it with ian capel but there was a point mm. in which he was not really, th this was an old sound for him. And from the little line, you know, what I know of working with him is he's, you know, he's excited about, I guess, regenerating, you know, or well, feeling something feels like very now and present for him. And, uh, but I loved it the way it was. And so it's interesting. I think this kind of getting a perspective on what might sound dated to somebody is, is uh, mm. I find like a weird kind of an interesting concept nowadays since genres and times and and eras and everything it, is being exactly. blended so much and I think this yeah. concept of dated is a bit weird because I think you know once you've you've made a decision as long as it's a conscious decision yeah. I want that sound then how is it you know I don't know I don't know if it's applicable anymore do you know what I mean it's weird I think like really crap sound for me that sounds dated <laughs> that <laughs> it sounds was like you know, if it's not mixed <laughs> yeah. well by, you know, luckily I got eventually Ian Cable to mix all of this record. So I know it sounds yeah. great, or it's as, as great as each element can possibly sound. Then, right. then that's well, it. Um, we're, we're jumping all over on my question. So let's Sorry, see if I I'm can not pull gonna, it together. Yeah, okay. I wish I was, could be more helpful with that. But, that's <laughs> but it's perfect. Let's, let's go with it because, because I mean, you're talking about mixing it and, and 
one of my other questions is that you know i mean your your voice is so unique and and unmistakable and i was just thinking that it, you know i mean it's rare that an artist can kind of really transport a listener to a different world mm-hmm. with just that timbre and tone of their voice like you can and so I, i'm just thinking about when you're in the studio do you have kind of a go-to setup because i mean you do have often very very delicate sounding vocals and is that something how do you go about that to to bring it out in the mix are you only using super sensitive condenser mics or do you have like a go-to setup or no my go-to setup for the record has been a, a very present sounding microphone and i had a scarlet a big scar focus right um mm. sound card and um and i use logic but are you doing it in your own space or are you going to a special place to record it or? you know i've tried a lot of different places on this record and um I th- the the track which i think you you i think would be it sounds weird to me it sounds like it's like the least sort of making an effort vocal on the record is uh, pure mm. heart maybe but that was the one that actually took me the longest to record and edit and i had and I, I was in a bunch of different places. I, in Valencia, I rented an Airbnb, a couple of different Airbnbs. And oh yeah, well, the thing about Valencia is that a lot of the places have super high ceilings and they're all tiled. So, <laughs> so it's great if you're going for like a reverby uh, album, I guess, maybe. Yeah, but yeah, really great. And the yeah. first apartment we lived in was, mm, the, my little area was, it was like a, a converted, mm, how do you, it's like, it was all windows. It was all windows mm. in the back, super high ceilings, tiled floor, and also backed onto a children's like school, like nursery playground. So there was only mm. small windows of time when I could actually work there. And I don't know, there was something, something weird was going on. Like I had uh, many, many obstacles with getting a good sound and a good recording for some of these vocals some were like very quick and instant and um pure heart took forever yeah and that but i ended up um i did some in this room here i did the vocal for blood is in this room um and maybe some drop-ins for some other stuff and i did the vocal for hunt in the in this new apartment in valencia which actually has small short lower ceilings and is super quiet yeah, it's in the middle of the city, but it's way more quiet than the house here somehow. I would have guessed that you were going to uh, some kind of recording space or something like that, but it's a, it's impressive that you're... I didn't hear any playground noise on the, on the, on the record anywhere. Maybe no. I need to take another listen. But. Well, here they have, I don't know how you say, say Americans say cicadas, right? And I, I suppose uh, yes. English would say yeah. cicadas or something. <laughs> but they are super loud here as well, so... I don't know. It was, I don't remember having this issue with sound anywhere on any project in my life so far, but here I just had, yeah. You're going to need some, I could see in Spain, somebody needs a cicada gate, gate plug-in to like take out the, to just get them to cicada. Oh yes. Exactly. I was going to say like to take (laughs) out the frequency because they get really, they can be very, very loud, but yeah. yeah. Creative collaboration has been a constant throughout your career mm-hmm. you know i mean whether with tricky massive attack gorillas uh even like you know small projects with people like mark lanigan and all the and and also on your solo albums 
And I was just wondering, does do you have to have take a certain approach or have a certain mindset to thrive creatively with others? Or is that just your normal way of approaching songwriting? Is it, you know, vibing off somebody else like that? Or is it, um, I just know there are some people who would just rather do everything themselves. How is it for you? <laughs> is that just kind of the way it's always been for you? I think I'm good at the way like anybody is can be good at seeing someone else's problem and being able to get in there and diagnose and mm. you know say you know fix it or you know deliver what needs to be done and i feel like i have um i think i'm able to do that and that's why people like working with me because i'm i get it like what they're trying to do or where they like what I do anyway. And there's only like issues if, if I'm working with someone and the, and the communication is not clear and the agenda is not clear for whatever reason, mm. then, then, then things get a bit confusing and people are not on the same page. Then that can be a bit weird, but I haven't had that. I've had that maybe only like when I've got someone working with me and if they have a very strong identity and they sound like, I feel like they're getting it, you know, where I'm at, but they're kind of not, or they just can't, mm. then, um, not everyone's as malleable as me, you see, so, uh, um, they, but, uh, and that's tough for me because, and that's why it's really important for me to have my own space and quiet and not distraction because I get, you know, influence them, mm. maybe a creative empath too much then. So for me to stick with my own vision, it's not that I don't know what I want. I just sometimes, um, sometimes get like worried about other people's feelings and don't want them to get <laughs> upset by the fact that the, no, that's not what I want to do actually. And so, um, but anyway, I figured out a lot of that, of my own communication issues in the process of making this record. And it is mm. finally what, you know, exactly what I wanted to make. So got there in the end. mentioned Christopher Berg. Uh, you worked with a lot of different producers on the album. Obviously, um, Robert Del Naya from Massive Attack and and quite a few other people. So continuing what you were just talking about, was it really case by case, song by song, how you approached building them? Or is it rather that you started with a melody that you had been working on? Definitely case by case, song by song. Hmm. Uh, all, all different, even within like the work with the same collaborators with um, D, Robert Del Nair and Ewan Dickinson. With them, um, there was a couple of songs that were finished that they reworked, um, which was Rain and um, mm, Rain and Pure Heart, Collide. And Collide was a song I used to sing with a different story, different lyric when I was on tour with them. It was a massive attack song. And uh, I put a new lyric on it, and in it was, which is Collide, which I think is like a strong, you know, it's like, this is a story I want to tell, and not necessarily the story they want to tell. So I asked them if I could um, keep it, and they said yes. Hunt was also originally a song I jammed out with them in their studio and I loved uh, and then they sent me the same song my vocal with a different backing track underneath which is a kind of a signature move of theirs I'll do something I quite like it they're like nah don't want to do that and they 
slap something else under it and send it to me and and uh, I don't need to try and make sense of it. So I couldn't make sense of the that song. So I had this lyric hunt, which also came from a different song. It's such a long story, that song, my God. But <laughs> somehow the I loved that lyric. This backing track was super cool and I mashed them together. And so, yeah, even within them, even working with the same people, there were different um, approaches to each song. So you're actually saying that even two songs then became one. So it's actually the, uh, like a... That's not the only song where two songs became one. Yeah. Okay. I got okay. a song, Free. Yeah. Is it Free? That's like three songs became one. Yeah. Ah. It's some long oh. journeys that these, these songs took. And, yeah. And I, and I guess we should say the new album, Forever I Wait. Mm -hmm. I know you said you started on it before the COVID pandemic, but that's a, obviously an, an apt slogan for it. Well, well waiting for things to reopen and kind of return to some semblance of normality. Mm -hmm. And I mean, how much of that uh, or did any of that isolation, you were talking about the lockdown, did that trickle into it at all? Or was it more just a, it didn't matter so much because you were working remotely anyway with these, your collaborators? No, I mean, lockdown didn't have any effect on the, it had nothing to do with the substance of the record. It was all sort of planned out, decided and selected. Um, well, actually I selected the 12 songs, I think at the beginning of the lockdown, but I'd been working on it for years since the, the mm. first weasel is the, the track, the kind of earliest working track. And I started that in the beginning of 2015. And before that, I was always working on a project, a record, and it just didn't have a, the grounded vision for it until, until well, actually until maybe 2017, until I was actually articulating what I wanted mm. to do, which is an important mm. step because I, I don't know, yeah. For whatever reason, I need to, maybe some therapy, but for whatever oh, reason, no, I... No, uh, I no, honestly, I just needed to, uh, yeah, I had a block with articulating and being, you know, communicating what, what I wanted to do. And I'd feel things out with people, try it out and be very vague. And it was just weird. I don't know why. Well, I mean, e even, even without the therapy, um, <laughs> whatever you did obviously worked because I, I, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed the album, listened to it this week to get Thank ready you. for this interview. Um, I thought it was amazing. Huge recommendation for everybody to go check it out. And I uh, hope to get my own marble version at my local record shop here in Berlin at some point. Oh, but, um, I can't wait myself to see it. It looks beautiful. Yeah, it does look good. Do you have post-COVID plans to support the album? Big shows, small shows, no shows? Where are you at I this have, point? Yeah, a mixture of small to medium to getting larger shows, I guess. I'm starting, I'm, my agent's putting stuff together. I haven't announced anything yet, so ah, okay. dates are, are being confirmed. And as soon as, um, as soon as um, I'm given the green light, then uh, I'll let everybody know. But yes, okay. definitely planning to tour. Do you gigs. can't say this year, maybe next year. <gasps> Most maybe. likely next yeah. year, yeah. Next year. Early, okay. early, okay. early next year. Yeah. Great. Well, we look forward to hopefully seeing you on the road again. And Martina, thanks thank so much you. for your time today. And thank you so much for all the amazing music you've made. I've uh, enjoyed it for years. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was Martina Topley-Bird, and this has been Signal Path. This episode was recorded remotely with an SM7B and Martina's trusty old SM58. 
Thanks very much for listening. Be sure to tune in again next time for more stories from the people shaping the world of audio.